Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me, Louise Rumble, and my co-host, the incredible Dr. Terry Mack. Today, we are going to be talking about all things relationship jumping. What I mean by relationship jumping is you just come out of a relationship and you're already in another one. You just come out of a relationship and you're already looking for another one. Or perhaps you're going straight back to that boyfriend or girlfriend or the one before. We're going to be looking at this through the vehicle of JLo. And Dr. Terry Mack, clinical psychologist and relationship expert, is an expert on all things JLo. She has appeared on Access Hollywood recently talking about this. So we could not be in better hands. So thank you, Terry, for joining us today. How are you? I'm wonderful. So happy to talk about this. So this is a topic that I must say definitely applies less to me than some of the other things that we've spoken about. Now that feels good because I feel like every single week we're talking about unavailable men or unconscious attraction or bad boys or, you know, all these kinds of things. And every week I have stories and I have experiences and I have to say this is one that I just do not have experiences with. I actually probably go to the other end of the spectrum on this, which I know we're going to pick up in the relationship reading that you're going to give me in the final episode of series two, which we'll come to in December, where you're going to dive into exactly why I am the way I am and how I came to be that way. But I'm definitely more of the, I'm great on my own. I don't need anyone. Like I do not need you. And actually I'm going to do everything on my own. But I think let's just kick off by saying for the people that do resonate with this, what is going on when these people just can't seem to be alone? And do you think they're even aware of that? Or do you think it's an unconscious or subconscious driver? I think it can be both. Usually, at least for a long period of time, it's usually unconscious. And this is a path that I've walked and that I've healed from. So I understand this path very intimately. And a lot of the the people that I work with also struggle with this, where they look to relationships to make them feel legitimate, to make them feel significant, to make them feel validated or seen. Of course, we don't know we're doing that. We think we're just looking for love. We think we're just looking for a relationship. But when we're in a relationship and then that ends, if we don't have a strong connection to ourself, if we don't have a strong sense of self, if we haven't taken the time to build a relationship with ourselves, we will feel empty. We will feel invisible. We will feel insignificant. And so we need another person, another partner, another relationship to see us and make us feel the way that we want to feel. And so our relationships are really serving a purpose that they shouldn't be serving. 
because we need to feel whole and complete on our own so that we enter relationships feeling whole and complete. Otherwise, we're looking externally for something that we should be giving ourselves internally. Validation, attention, support. That is fascinating. I've done a lot of reading into schema therapy. And one of the wounds in schema therapy is this, I guess, defectiveness schema where deep down underneath everything, you feel like you're unlovable or there's something wrong with you. And I think that that actually sounds very dramatic when you put it like that, but it's definitely something that therapy has helped me to see that I have a huge defectiveness wound and, you know, it's built out of childhood way before we're even rationally or consciously thinking about what people are making us feel. So it's funny that, you know, I've obviously gone the other way, but it's interesting as well to perhaps look at it through that lens. When you're talking about that, I'm seeing that as, okay, people are using these relationships as a way to make them feel that they're worthy of being loved, accepted. Someone wants them, they're good enough, they're chosen. And that's really, really interesting. So do you think that for these people that find it so uncomfortable to be on their own, that in those moments of it just being them, it's sitting with that uncomfortable feeling of them feeling like they're not chosen, they're not enough, they're not worthy. And so finding that relationship just sort of is that warm kind of smother to all of those feelings. And even if it's not the right relationship, it's better to feel smothered and warm than it is to be like cold and alone. Is that kind of going down the right track, do you think? Yes, exactly. The relationship is a way to avoid the pain and discomfort of feeling that aloneness, the emptiness, you know, looking at those feelings, tending to that wound and doing the work to heal it. And of course, like you said, a lot of times we're not even aware there's a wound that needs healing because we're so busy. We're so preoccupied with finding a partner. Some people, including myself for years, for the first 30 years of my life, it was all about finding a man finding a man so that I could feel worthy. And, you know, what I came to learn is it cannot and does not work that way. That's an inside job. I had to do my own healing and my own work to feel worthy on my own. Because the other problem is if we enter relationships desperate for validation, if we enter relationships needing that other person to see us constantly, to reassure us, to give us validation, they're not going to be able to do that. You know, they've got their own self to tend to, they've got other things in their life to tend to, and it's nobody else's job to make us feel significant or worthy. Of course, we want a partner who's caring and prioritizes us, but when we're entering a relationship with this wound, with this need to to get things externally from our partner, it's going to sabotage the relationship. And oftentimes that's what happens with people like this, including myself and my past. We go from relationship to relationship to relationship. In the beginning, it feels so good because we're being so seen, we're being so celebrated, but that phase does not last. And if we don't have anything within ourselves, then we think, it's a problem in the relationship when really it's a problem within ourself. Oh, damn. I think we just got a truth bomb there, if I'm honest, because I look at some of my friends and a couple of them spring to mind and love them dearly. But, you know, every week it's like, 
oh my God, I'm going on a date with this guy or, oh my God, found my husband or, oh my God, you know, out on a date. And, you know, we've spoken in previous episodes about dating should not be a hobby. You know, it shouldn't be just going out there constantly, like looking, looking, looking. And again, like I mentioned, I'm the total opposite, which is not right either. I do not date, don't really open myself up to people at all. So it's super interesting to hear you talk about that people can relationship jump and then the relationship breaks down and then perhaps they blame it on the relationship rather than, you know, looking at themselves. So they just think it wasn't the right person or it wasn't the right vehicle. Do you think that you can also see this happening in people that are perhaps settling in their relationships who aren't relationship jumpers but say perhaps we spoke about this in the Jason and Chriselle episode at the beginning of series two where people may stay in relationships that aren't right do you also see this happening there so if even if someone's like oh I don't relationship jump but perhaps they're either going back to an ex or they're staying in a relationship they shouldn't is, is that the same thing yeah it's the same thing it's the underlying fear of I can't be alone I don't know how to be alone. I remember 20 years ago when I was in between relationships or it doesn't even have to be relationships. Sometimes it's having people that are thinking about us, that are texting us, having these backup plans, right? And if in my past, if I didn't have somebody interested in me, someone seeing me, someone desiring me, I felt sort of like a junkie, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was so addicted and so dependent on that external validation to feel like really I exist that when I didn't have somebody texting me or reaching out, or if I wasn't seeing anybody, I felt completely lost and alone. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was really ready to look at that, that itself is the problem. And we can keep you know, taking the drug, finding another relationship, finding another person to validate us, but it's going to be short-lived because anything external from us cannot make us feel good for very long. We need to continue to be constantly fed and that's nobody else's job. Mm. Fascinating how you refer to the friendships as well. And we haven't even spoken about this, but what's popping into my mind is Jenna and Jordan Woods were absolutely inseparable to the point that, you know, they did not spend a second apart. They were constantly together all around the world. You know, she was part of the family. Obviously that has all broken down and they're not even friends anymore, but they would openly admit that they were in an unhealthy relationship. So really interesting to see how that can also go into friendships. Cause I definitely have some friends, and like that as well, who, if I don't check in with, in with them, you know, they think I'm annoyed at them or they think there's something wrong. And it, I never am. Of course, I'm not annoyed at them. Like they're, they're my friends, but that's really interesting to know that it can go out into friends and I guess family as well. And I think my question is, is we love to tie things back to childhood because that's where everything starts. So yeah. say someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, that is me. I just have had a light bulb moment that I actually don't like being on my own and I've relationship jumped or I am, you know, dating constantly, dating apps constantly, you know, distraction, distraction, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you see that in practice tying back to people's childhoods? Is it that 
they were on their own as a child, i.e. their parents left or divorced and they were abandoned and they hated it so much that they, you know, now fill that void to ensure it doesn't happen again. Or is it the opposite where it's like, they're used to being loved and smothered by their family unit. So when they're not getting that in a romantic relationship, it feels like they're not being loved or does it work both ways? Or how do you kind of tie it back to childhood? I think that would be really interesting to go into. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It it could be a number of different circumstances. So it could be any of the things that you mentioned, but the two key things that are coming up right now for me as you ask that question are mirroring and emotional attunement, right? So those are fundamental needs that we all need as humans and especially as children. So mirroring is when our parents or caregivers reflect back to us our value, our worth, what they see in us, our gifts, our talents, what we bring to the family, what we bring to the world. And hopefully we've had parents and caregivers that have done that. Oftentimes we haven't because our parents never learned. They never got that mirroring from their parents or caregivers. So they don't know how to do that with their children. But that mirroring gives us a sense of who we are and how we fit in the world and what's special and unique and precious about us. If we didn't get that, then we go into adulthood not understanding our gifts, our characteristics, what makes us us. Instead, we seek out relationships so that we try to repair that wound. It's like nobody saw us. And so we can't see ourselves. So we're seeking information about ourselves from other people. And this happens mostly in romantic relationships, Mm. right? Like, am I desirable? Am I worthy? Am I enough? So if we had a lack of mirroring, that can lead to this, you know, relationship hopping because we need people to validate us. The other thing that I mentioned is emotional attunement. And what that means is our parents or caregivers, we're checking in about our emotional world, about our feelings. And it was safe for us to have feelings and they could hold space for those feelings and respond. Cause we learn about who we are through our emotions. We learn what makes us angry, what makes us sad, what we need when we're sad, what things bring us joy. And if we were not allowed to fully express our range of feelings and we didn't have parents and caregivers that asked about our internal world and made space for our internal world and celebrated our internal world, we've likely begun to cope in other ways instead of just expressing our feelings. And so we've essentially learned how to ignore ourselves and our internal world. And again, then we go into adulthood And we're not attuned to ourselves whatsoever. We don't know what we need. We don't know how we feel. We just want to feel good. We want to feel safe. And we look to other people, oftentimes romantic relationships, to get that sense. But it's not real. It's a very superficial sense of it. And it can't last. That's amazing. I think anyone that's listening will have heard about my breakup. I mean, if you haven't, you've literally probably been living under a rock. We talk about it all the time. And it's been about 10, 11 months now, of which the first few were absolute hell on earth. The rest of it was a lot of emotional processing. Now, I haven't dated during that period at all. And I definitely have not relationship jumped. If anything, I've communicated to anyone that's tried to date me. I'm not ready to do this. And I'm just going to be bringing too much emotional baggage into whatever we're doing. 
again, not saying that that's right or wrong. But what I am saying is that I have processed everything. I've done so much therapy around this. I've learned so much about myself. And part of me feels like if I had jumped into another relationship straight away, I just don't think I would have A, done the work in the way that I've done it. And B, I just don't think I would have developed into this version of me that I am today, which I have to say, like, I really like, like, I like myself today more than I have ever liked any version of me. And I had to go through that horrendous heartbreak and dismantling of everything I knew about myself to rebuild who I am. I'm sure there are people that have met their forever person or a great person very imminently after a breakup. And we're not saying that that can't happen either. But what are your thoughts on that healing space and kind of the processing of your emotions and what happens maybe if your relationship jump? Like, do you make that stage or can you process subconsciously or what's kind of going on there? So again, like I've said in the past, you know, it's more about a pattern. So if you're somebody that has, you know, gone through a breakup and then you met somebody shortly after, that doesn't mean that relationship isn't going to work like you said, but it's more, is this a pattern for you? People always ask, how long do I need to be single after a breakup? There is no right or wrong. There is no set amount. The most important thing though, is that you come back to yourself. And for some people, They've never been with themselves. They've never learned how to self-connect again because of childhood roles. Maybe they were the caregiver, the one that took care of everybody else. Maybe they needed to shut down in order to survive and blend in the family. We're talking really about attunement to yourself. And Louise, what you're talking about, this version of you, this new version of you that you you know, love so much, that's because you've come into alignment more with who you really are. Mm. And that's the work that we always want to be doing, whether we're in a relationship or not, it is more difficult in a relationship, especially depending on our psychology. If we tend to, you know, over-focus on our partner, do too much work in the relationship, abandon ourselves. So it's sometimes easier to do that work when we're alone. However, what I want to say is And I, you know, I've lived this, so I understand it. And I've worked with so many people who also have the struggle. The thing that keeps us from taking time to connect with ourselves and not search for another partner is fear. It could be about multiple things. You know, I'm running out of time. Even this visceral somatic fear that comes up in our bodies about being alone. You know, if we've had childhoods where we were never mirrored. We were never attuned to, we literally feel like we don't exist. If somebody isn't seeing us, I want to say to people listening out here who maybe have this pattern of relationship hopping, it's not going to be easy. And trust me, I understand why you want to skip this step of building a relationship with yourself because it doesn't sound very sexy, right? We're so used to like the fun and the excitement of getting that validation and being desired by somebody else and starting a relationship. But if you want a relationship that is actually going to go the test of time, you need to get yourself aligned first. Mm. There's just no shortcut to that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think taking this outside of the romantic setting, have some friends. So, you know, again, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I will happily travel on my own. I spend a lot of time on my own. I'll easily go and sit in a coffee shop on my own, you know, all those things. 
But taking this outside of the romantic setting, I have some friends that, you know, the thought of going even to a hotel for two days on their own is like their absolute worst nightmare. They can't even fathom being on their own. So does the same thing apply if you feel uncomfortable? It's because you haven't potentially connected with yourself or do you think it's that something that I see a lot is that we use a lot of coping mechanisms we use a lot of distractions in life phones work gym socializing drinking sex whatever and that perhaps going to a hotel for two days where there's no one you can physically see engage or talk with you might end up just sat on your phone all the time because if you put the phone down and you're on your own and you don't know anyone, you have to either go swimming in the pool on your own or walking down the beach on your own. Is it the same kind of thing outside of a relationship? I think it can be. Sometimes there's a fear there of like, what are other people going to think? People, you know, we have these stories that we run in our minds about I'm such a loser if I'm in a cafe by myself or people are going to know I'm single and I don't have anybody that loves me. I mean, So that could be at play, but I think also what you're talking about is the same thing. If we're alone on vacation and we have not built a relationship with ourselves, if we don't enjoy being by ourselves with ourselves, if we haven't discovered that we're fun (laughs) and it's actually enjoyable to just be with ourselves, we don't have to take care of anybody else. We can just focus on ourselves then it can be really uncomfortable. And a lot of times I have people tell me, you know, I'm, I'm great when I'm busy, but when I'm just being, I get really anxious. I get really sad because, you know, I'm just alone with my thoughts, but you can't run from those thoughts and those feelings forever. At some point, you're going to have to stop and pay attention to yourself. What are you thinking? What are you feeling and what needs to be addressed? Right. We'll go into this more in the relationship reading because throughout this episode, I've said I'm really good at being on my own. But actually, something that, you know, we'll go into more is that, yes, I'm very good at being on my own. But often when I'm alone, I'm actually numbing. So I'll be watching Netflix, ordering a pizza, talking on the phone. So Mm -hmm. before I started the work, actually, on those weekends where I wasn't working, I wasn't going to the gym, I wasn't partying, I wasn't seeing anyone. I would often be quite upset. You know, you kind of open up that doorway to being like, oh, I'm actually exhausted. I think I was probably depressed as well. Like, oh, I'm I'm exhausted. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. Everyone is out and I'm not out or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's super interesting. Just I love going into, you know, under the surface of all these things because I think people think, oh, no, I just prefer being in a relationship, being on my own. Or, oh, no, I just I'm really good at being on my own. But then actually you just dig down a little bit more and it's like, well, why or what's happening there? And and let's talk about the people that go back to what is familiar. J-Lo, here we go. She came straight out of an engagement and it was all very whirlwind and quite intense and their kids were together and they started all these businesses together. And then literally like however long later, she was right back with her ex. So what is going on there? What words of advice have you got for JLo? Let's go into that. <laughs> well, it's funny you you asked that because the first time I was on Access Hollywood, I was giving advice to JLo and basically tell it was right after the breakup with A-Rod and I was telling her, stay single, <laughs> right? JLo's been married three times, engaged, I 
I forget exactly, but maybe five times she's only ever had a couple months in between relationships. So she is like the classic relationship hopper. And I can totally empathize with that. So when she broke up with A-Rod, I was on Access Hollywood saying, you know, J-Lo really needs to take time for herself. And then the second time I was on Access Hollywood, we were talking about J-Lo and Ben and them being a couple. So she didn't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Like, we'll see what happens. I I would never root against someone, but J-Lo has this pattern. And so it usually does not bode well for relationships. So, you know, time will tell what's going to happen with her and Ben, but for somebody listening who has this pattern, I just want to tell you, first of all, there are reasons why you are afraid to be alone. And we always want to look for understanding in our patterns and in our thoughts and habits with compassion and never judgment. Because everything that we've done, we've done for a reason. It's made sense. It's kept us feeling safe. And judging ourselves is pointless. And it actually takes us out of alignment. The more compassionate and supportive we are as we start to be curious about our patterns, like, I wonder why it's so hard for me to be alone. Why do I get that panicky feeling or that jittery feeling or that fear feeling if nobody's talking to me or I'm not talking to anybody, even though maybe I know it would be good for me to spend some months by myself. Why don't I ever do that? You know, you can start to just ask yourself the questions. And when we become aware of our patterns, We may still continue to engage in those same patterns, but we're going to have that level of awareness is going to make it less fun (laughs) and less comfortable. So that's always the first step of change. Mm -hmm. And you literally can change your brain. You can change your molecules. You can change yourself so that you don't want to do that anymore. It's not appealing. It doesn't feel comfortable anymore. And I'm an example of that. I have hundreds of clients that are examples of that. You know, you don't have to be desperate and dependent on validation of a relationship to feel good and joyful and significant in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, to wrap this up, I think I would just say that these last 11 months that I've spent on my own, after the most harrowing breakup have been the most eye-opening 11 months of my life. I am a different person today because of being on my own for these 11 months. I am a totally different person. Everything I think about myself, everything I think about love, everything I want in a relationship, everything I want in a partner, you know, my shopping list has totally changed. My whole self-reflection of my traits and my personality totally changed I've understood what I want in a relationship what I don't want in a relationship had I jumped into another relationship straight away I would not have done that work and as someone that is in their 30s and dating it's important that we maybe start to slow things down and get it right make better decisions I always say in your 20s it's easy to relationship jump you've got less to lose you know obviously it's great if you don't But when you get into your 30s, time is less on your side than it is in your 20s. So I just think it's great to slow down, do a little bit of work on yourself. I think in the long run, it's the most revolutionary thing you can do. So yeah, everything you've said today has been wonderful. And I guess my wrap up point is for anyone listening who finds it uncomfortable to be on your own, 
just start small, you know, a walk where you walk somewhere and you don't be on your phone. You don't listen to a podcast or go and sit in a coffee shop and don't sit on your phone or just spend half a day on your own on the weekend and don't lie in front of Netflix. See, is there a book you can read? Is there something on the radio? Something that you don't necessarily do. I think it's really good for us in terms of neuroplasticity and rewiring to do these different things that our brain is not used to. And any other tips from you in terms of how to start to break these cycles? Everything you just said, and I would also say it's a practice of starting to attune to yourself. Mm. You know, that attunement you didn't get, you can give it to yourself. You check in and say, how am I feeling? What do I need? And even asking yourself, what would I enjoy doing? What lights me up? Go try some new things. Learn how to spend time with yourself in ways that are fun and enjoyable. I love that. And I think physically as well, you know, a lot of what I do in therapy, which I found so weird when my therapist wanted me to do it at first was when we always talk about my little inner child, it's very cold and it's very lonely and it's very abandoned. We always talk about warming it up. So things like warm food and warm slippers and like even warm touch. So sometimes in sessions, she'll get me to put my hand on my heart or get me to hug myself and honestly when I first started it I was like this makes me so incredibly uncomfortable like what the f are we doing and now now over time I'm like yeah I need to check in with myself because if I can't check in and compassionately warm myself up then forever I'm going to be relying on someone else to warm me up so physical touch as well so I think let's wrap up there but to anyone listening Dr Terry and I are organizing something quite wonderful from January onwards we are going to be running an open heart beta program which is going to be a guided journey to find the real you and deconstruct your patterns your unconscious attractions and work out who you really are and why you're attracting the things you do We are here to help you break those cycles and we want to do it without you having to go to one-on-one therapy. So if you are interested in being part of this beta program or getting access to the full program when it goes live next year, be sure to drop your email address on the website at thisisopenhouse.com. And until then, we'll see you next time.